catch up on all the live shows on africatechradio.com. The man, Tony. The so, Tony's deck side. You're welcome. Electronic or e-money, electronic currency, etc. All words that we hear often these days. On a general note, digital currencies have similar properties to traditional currencies, which are printed black notes, bank notes, and minted coins. But then they do not have a physical form. Digital currency is any currency, money, or money-like assets on a digital computer system, especially over the internet. The types of digital currency available now are virtual currency, central bank digital currency, and cryptocurrency, which is the most popular. These types of currencies may be used to buy physical goods and services, but they may also be restricted to certain communities, just like the coins that you get when you're playing an online game. Digital money can either be centralized, where there's a central point of control over the money supply, for instance, a bank like the central bank, or it could be decentralized, where the control over the money supply is predetermined or agreed upon democratically. As of 2016, over 24 countries had invested in distributed ledger technologies, DLT. In addition, over 90 central banks are engaged in discussions, including the implications of a central bank-issued digital currency. In March 2018, the Marshall Islands became the first country to issue their own cryptocurrency and certify it as legal tender. The currency is called the Sovereign. China completed a trial of its digital currency in September 2020 and is currently rolling out on major e-commerce platforms within the country. The European Union, Canada, Japan and other countries are all at different stages of developing a digital currency because of the need to have a central regulatory authority at the center. Why so much talk about digital currencies, you may want to ask. Well, the lack of physical form allows for nearly instant transactions over the internet and removes the cost associated with distributing notes and coins. But aside the many advantages, it is also important to consider if there are privacy, data protection, transparency, and cybersecurity issues attached to the widespread adoption of digital currencies. So today we have a cybersecurity expert who would help us better understand the issues surrounding digital currency and cybersecurity, if there are concerns or not, and how we should get prepared for them. We'll be speaking to a former Senior Special Assistant Innovation and Technology to the National Security Advisor to the President of Nigeria, a global cybersecurity resource who is a commissioner for the Global Commission on the Stability of Cyberspace, the GCSC. He's the chair of the Working Group on Cyber Incident Management and Critical Information Protection of Global Forum on Cyber Expertise. He's a chairman of Consultancy Group Services, CS2 Nigeria, and the chairperson of the African Union Cybersecurity Expert Group, the AUCSEG. Abdul Hakim Ajijola is our guest. Welcome, sir. How are you doing? Fine, thank you. Good day to all our guests and listeners. Yeah. How's the weekend go, sir? Ah, so far, so good. We're enjoying the relatively cooler weather. At least we 
thank the Almighty for some rain that broke the spell of heat that was getting a bit difficult for all of us. Exactly. So as the world inches closer to more adoption or increased adoption of digital currencies, the issues of data protection and privacy become more evident. What are the cybersecurity risks and concerns for the use and the adoption of digital currencies? I mean, both cryptocurrencies, the central bank issued digital currencies and all others. Well, like any other thing, you know, technology disruptions are not necessarily good or bad. It depends on how you cope with them, how you handle them. But if I may just touch on a fundamental issue, currencies change. We know that our ancestors once used cowries. At a point, they used salt. They moved to gold. And then, you know, at some point in our history, we moved to paper, which people call cash. And of course, we've witnessed in our lifetime the move to electronic funds or, you know, digits. And so virtual currencies are really just part of that onward progression. And so, yes, they will cause disruptions. They will affect the status quo. And there are privacy concerns. But again, currency changes, even in Nigeria, are not necessarily new to us. For those of us above a certain age range, we, we will recollect that we used to use pennies and pounds in this country. And sometime in the late 1960s, we actually had the, not even as we know it, but the Naira as a currency introduced to Nigeria. And then sometime in the mid 80s, I think 1984 or so, the Naira was actually redesigned. And so currencies change. That's the point I'm trying to get at. In addition to that, we've seen in Ghana where the city, I think almost a decade ago now, was actually redenominated. They simply took off two zeros off the currency because of the inflation and how it had fallen against other global currencies, especially the dollar. So these are changes. And then the other example I would want to give is that I think back in 2018, the government of India, I recollect vividly just one morning, everybody woke up and basically the, I think 1,000 and the 500 rupee note simply was no longer legal tender. And in that particular instance, the government was using the excuse of money laundering, funding of terrorist activities. So the concerns, the excuses, the reasons and the situations, we've seen them over and over again. I even recollect the change of the Naira in the 80s was again because it was felt that a lot of Nigerians had looted cash and thereby in order to catch them out, they actually changed the currency. So these things are not new and it's all part of the progression. And so really we see that it's how you control it. And this now is back to the fundamental question that all countries, including Nigeria, should ask. Who controls monetary policy and who controls money supply? This to me is much more fundamental because these things impact national sovereignty. If you don't control it, if your regulators are undermined, and so all disruptions have this potential to undermine regulators. And the question is, are the regulators themselves keeping pace and actually proactively looking at and handling 
these challenges. Again, you look at your cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. I think for me, I'm a bit skeptical about Bitcoin in the long run, despite its massive, in fact, unprecedented growth in value because it's limited to 21 million units. The mining process, which is the production process, is very computational intensive and thereby actually requires a lot of computer power, which requires a lot of electrical energy to get done. So it's actually in the long run, in my opinion, not the most efficient of currencies. But yes, we are seeing, you know, in the short, significant rise in its value. I think more importantly is how do we as a society plan forward so that we make sure that we have our own digital currency that is acceptable and that then retains control with monetary authorities in terms of its production, which is money supply, but also in terms of the policies, where we want to go with this and what how we want to use it as a society. Thank you. Yeah, so before we go into how the regulators should work towards regulating and bringing up regulatory policies around it let's let's look at the issue of security because a lot has been said about how critical certain countries are of cryptocurrencies the nigerian government raised security as a major talking point for an unregulated system of value exchange like crypto and you also mentioned that at certain points certain governments have also raised insecurity and issues around it as talking points to either pull down one or bring up another one do cryptocurrencies affect businesses and if they do how do they affect the security of businesses well again it depends what you mean by security the foundation on which they are built or the protocols on which they are built are based in something called blockchain and blockchain inherently is actually a very secure system and i want to emphasize please to our audience that cryptocurrency is not the same thing as blockchain blockchain is the foundation and cryptocurrency is one of many thousands of uses of blockchain so blockchain is a much bigger issue but in terms of that security of those processes and transactions in fact that's exactly why governments are afraid of them because they don't have control so from the government perspective the security is in that you don't control something you 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 can't monitor something and that's why governments themselves have now realized that they need to produce their own so that they control it from foundation and again it's like almost any african economy if you don't control your means of production if you don't control how your minerals are extracted and exported that's a major security issue we've seen a situation where one of our states a no-fly zone has been put in place because people come in and use aircraft or helicopters or whatever to fly out the minerals mined from that state and allegedly to bring or in exchange to bring arms that is lack of control which actually causes a security problem and so there is some level of analogy but the issue really is for us as a society to get on top of that to get back in the driver's seat that to me is the key issue okay now let's get into how countries especially down here in africa can prepare an internal process for the cybersecurity data protection plans for digital currencies, especially as we most African countries right now haven't decided upon it and 
it most likely looks like we're going to be adopting and using the ones that the major global economies will be pushing to the global space. The foundation is that you must own it. You must develop it and you must produce it. And that requires our own internal capacities in terms of education, research, development, innovation. If you don't do that, you cannot create your own. So let me give you some examples. I mentioned Bitcoin a little earlier. Now, Bitcoin basically has no center. It has no owner. It's just a network of peers, peers meaning co-equals, and it's a trusted environment, no doubt. But the point is that you can't pinpoint any single pressure point, and therefore, as a state, not just an African state, but any state in the world, has no control over it. Then you have the second example. Facebook tried to create Libra currency a year or two ago, and they ran into a lot of pushback uh, from many of the regulators but particularly their own regulator in the u.s federal reserve system and so they went back to the drawing table and they've come up with the dm network which will soon go into effect at least in the year 2021 sometime it is expected to be launched now dm again is not quite a peer-to-peer network in the sense that it is created developed and overall managed by facebook but again, who does Facebook answer to? First and foremost, Facebook answers to its shareholders. Secondly, it answers to the US regulator, not to global regulators and certainly not to national regulators. So again, that's private company initiative. And then you have the third example. We have, as you had alluded to, several countries are creating their own digital currencies. Indeed, the US recently announced that it is research towards producing the digital dollar. And that's because it wants to be able to keep its own status quo. Many countries, Singapore, South Korea, the UK, you know, Switzerland, Germany, many, many nations across the world are actually looking at their own digital currencies. And if I may just say, cryptocurrencies and digital currencies, the key difference is that digital currencies are created by the nation states. Well, cryptocurrencies are created independent of the nation state by other parties. And in the case of Bitcoin, we don't even really know who the party is. You know, there's a, allegedly a Japanese person, but one doesn't even know if he actually exists or if it's a pseudonym for something else. But one of the most advanced national digital currencies is the efforts by China to produce their own digital yuan or renminbi. And the interesting thing about the Chinese digital currency initiative from an African perspective is that they are far ahead in terms of their thinking, their planning, and their advantages. I don't mean advantages to us, I mean advantages to them. And I'll give you some examples. First and foremost, many, many African countries owe China large amounts of money. We are in debt to them. And he who pays the piper, as we all know, calls the tune. So they have that leverage over us. We may not like it, but frankly, we are the ones that took on the debt by ourselves, as they say. The other advantage that China has is that across Africa, about 50% of all smartphones, directly or indirectly manufactured in China, produced by China, in effect, Chinese technology. The third advantage they have is that 70%, 70% of most of the networks across Africa 
use Chinese technical components, Chinese produce. So they have these advantages and, and thereby they are probably going to have the most and also they have some level of first mover advantage. Some of you, your listeners may not appreciate this, but the new Huawei smartphone M40, which was launched in South Africa in October 2020, actually has an inbuilt hardware chip as a wallet precisely for digital currencies. And of course, are they going to use your digital currency that doesn't exist or are they going to use theirs that already exists and they want to push as a global currency? I mean, you know, I think common sense indicates that they will push their own currency before they push yours or mine. And so this is where we are across Africa. And whether it's Bitcoin, Facebook, or the digital currency of some other country, the bottom line is that it means we don't control the fiscal policy of that currency and we don't control the money supply of that currency. However, there are opportunities. African nations have signed the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement. And this is the opportunity for Africa, not just Nigeria, but I would encourage Nigeria to lead and basically reach accommodation with some of the big players, South Africa, Kenya, Egypt, but to lead the pack in developing an Africa digital currency that can be used to accelerate the benefits of the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement, but also as an African digital currency to then establish African digital settlement systems that conform with our own way of doing things. The principles might be similar, but each society has its own nuanced, changed perspectives on how money works. So really, if traditionally we are using Asusu, how can we digitize that? To me, this is the way and this is the opportunity that we have. But it's not an opportunity that will be there forever. We really have to get our act together and move forward as reasonably quickly as we can because once other digital currencies flood the market it's going to be difficult for us to say no at least we may say no at the beginning but eventually we need our own alternative before us by us okay so let's go into personal freedom privacy and um, possible hacks which of these would you term the most pressing of issues to look into as we adopt or go into the adoption of digital currencies? Well, I wouldn't say that there is one that is more important, but certainly the type of democracy that we are trying to build requires a reasonable level of personal freedom and personal privacy. However, we have to appreciate that some of these large global firms do need some regulation. Uh, I'm very specifically talking about your Googles, your Facebooks and the like. Now, many people who use social media that call for total freedom, I think fail to appreciate that there is no total freedom on social media. Social media is censored. Social media is already regulated and it is already controlled. The question is by whom? And it is controlled and regulated by those large companies. They can remove your post like boom. They've removed former President Trump. And I think the time they removed him, he was still president, though he was outgoing. So my point is that that is control. And so the question should be not that there is no control, but 
who has that, that control and the control in my opinion has to be based on democratic governance not some arbitrary wealthy southern california person who happens to own a lot of shares in a particular company and that company happens to dominate the scene this to me are the underlying questions so it's not correct to say that there isn't already some level of censorship control but certainly that control is not by our democratic systems it's by non-democratic business boards indeed in other countries in other societies with very different perspectives from ours so even if you talk of the digital currencies again that influences you know our social interactions because money influences so many things it's not controlled by our democratic governance mechanisms it's controlled by again somebody else in another country and so those who advocate for zero control i think miss a lot of issues that it's really about how do we exercise democratic governance on these platforms and media yes it's imperative for the sovereignty of the countries on the continent that Africa and countries like Nigeria begin to think of digital currencies very, very quickly. Now, final words on how important it is for the countries in Africa to think towards this space so that we do not have uh, the sovereignty of the countries here and the peoples here in the hands of the major global economies uh, called digital colonialism that is what we are facing and again i must emphasize that it's not just about colonialism of foreign countries but foreign companies and again i think in nigeria we saw the royal niger company it's amazing how history just seems to repeat itself they have concession effectively for africa because they can provide the broadband connectivity we sign up you just imagine if you have elon musk's several of his 12,000 envisaged microsatellites over our heads our data because it's cheap broadband of course we may flock to it that data gets up to his satellite there's no way that he will not be able to take a copy of our data flow to his server in Arizona or California wherever he happens to be so again we seem to be seeking to replace our own indigenous governance structures or government indeed with world government with governments of a particular country and really at this point in time it's a challenge primarily between the US and China in these areas but you know Russia is there uh, India is there and so and of course Europe is there as well and all of them see the data from Africa as the next wealth to be plundered they've plundered our mineral resources arguably they plundered our people now and again i'm being very crude about it but they want to plunder our data as well it's about the value and i think africans need to really appreciate that their data has value it may not seem like it when you ask a mapping app to tr- keep track of you or to have access to your contacts or your photographs but that's part of the mining of your data and of course if you don't say yes the app will not work it's very important for africans and african countries to realize how important data has become in the new world 
and how important it is for the new technologies driving the conversations about value in the world is thought about it's important also for africans to stop complaining consuming and start creating and creatively solving the issues and problems around us we've been speaking to a former senior special assistant innovation and technology to the national security advisor of the president of nigeria a global cyber security resource who is a commissioner for the global commission on the stability of cyberspace he is the chairman of consultancy support services cs2 nigeria and also the chairperson african union Cybersecurity experts group abdul hakim ajijola thank you very much for the time and for the insight and for always honoring our invite to come on the show thank you very much for inviting me i'm very grateful and all the best to our listeners thank you thanks for listening and don't forget to catch up on all the live shows on africatechradio.com